that is a common issue that we see uh, both from FDA and FTC that implied claims are just as valid as express claims. And implied can be, you know, photographs or any kind of uh, slogans, or logos, anything like that, that it makes an implication that this is somehow going to have an effect on some sort of a disease or something like that. Those all going to dump you into that, into that drug category. Welcome to Making It to Market, the podcast where we discuss everything about taking your product or service idea through to commercialization. I'm your host, Dahlia Collada. Are you considering creating or selling supplements? Maybe doing private label? Today's episode is the second episode in a three-part series. You'll want to hear them all. We're back with Joseph, AKA Jody Shalasi, an attorney who specializes in dietary supplements, CBD and hemp, food and beverage, cosmetics, and health and fitness industries. Today, Jody will share some insights into things you probably haven't heard about yet. He'll answer questions like, how do you start a private label supplement brand? What products are classified as dietary supplements and what claims can I make? What are structure function claims? You've heard about FDA, but should you consider the Federal Trade Commission? Do you need to conduct clinical trials? Can you leverage someone else's clinical data? And do manufacturers have responsibility on other people's claims made about your own product? This episode is short, but really good. You don't want to miss it. Let's get into it. So let's talk about um, non-hemp supplements. Like, sure. In the private label space, if I wanted to go create the Dahlia Vitamin B Powerhouse Mushroom Blend, whatever, um, and I go to a co-packer and I say, hey, this is what I want. What is your advice to somebody who's trying to create private label brand supplements? What should I consider? Sure. Um, so, and I will say that's, that's a lot of what I do. I'll have clients that'll come to me that they've, They've got the formula. They just need to figure out what, how to get it to market or, 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 you know, in, in who, how do I contact a con contract manufacturer? Who, what do I do about supplying of ingredients? What I, let's say I've, my ingredients are coming, coming from, you know, out of the country. How do I get it into the country? You know, there's a whole slew of regulations that all those things will cover. Um, and, and I think the starting point when I have a client come to me is, is, you know, I try to figure out exactly what it is they're trying to accomplish. You know, if I've, if they've got the formula and they've already got the resources for the supply of those resources, we just got a lot, we just got a lot of, and maybe they even have their manufacturer lined up. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my, those are the easy cases. Really my role really comes into, you know, let's get the contract right and knowing, you know, what you're, what you're buying and, how, and who's responsible for what, mm. um, and, and also, I also have those clients, you know, it's the branding issues, you know, let's make sure we've got, you know, if there's some trademarks we need to get put in place to make sure that, you know, that no one's, you know, that if you've got some unique names, unique product logos, whatever, those types of things, the branding, make sure, because a lot of this really comes down to about the branding. I mean, again, I think it's another topic for another day, but the branding really is, is crucial on, on making your product stand out. Right. Uh, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, you know, to go into the GNC, for example, and, See, there's, you know, literally hundreds of different products that all say they do the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, how do I get my product to stand out from those guys? You know, what do I do? Is, is, it, is it based on the formulation? Is it based on the ingredients? Is it based on the, the play on words? Is it based on the marketing? You know, is it based on the, the endorsements? What is it that mm -hmm. makes my product stand out on the shelf? 
or, you know, and even if it's not on the shelf, then, you know, let's say we're for an Amazon based product, you know, what am I going to do to get, you know, somebody to look, buy my product on Amazon as opposed to somebody else's, you know, what are those things that we're putting in place? And this is stuff, you know, this is like stuff you help them with. It is. It absolutely is. Huh. Because I think, because part of that is, is, you know, you know, there's the legal side, you know, obviously we can't, let's, let's say, I, mean, I always use the example. I, we can't say the product causes cures cancer. We can't say that, you know, that, that's a drug. We can't do that. It's a supplement. We're not allowed to do that. But, you know, what can we say that's going to give you the marketing push, you know, make somebody want to buy your product, but stay within the confines of the law. So it right. necessarily right. becomes, you know, from the claim standpoint, it necessarily becomes my part of my job to make sure we, we, you know, some clients are more, some clients want to push the envelope more than others, you sure. know, and we got to figure out what we can say that, that gets you, that stays within the, the guide, guidelines of the law, but also gives you the marketing push you're looking for to, to get you some, some, some differentiation from all the other players out there. On the supplement side, you have to put a disclaimer that this product is not intended to treat, diagnose, cure, or prevent a disease. Is that right? Yeah. That's correct. So um, dietary supplements, by definition, uh, cannot diagnose, treat, cure, prevent, or disease. By definition, they're not. That's not what they're they're designed to do. Dietary supplements are designed to supplement the diet. That may sound simple, but that's really what they are. They're they're naturally grown, uh, uh, naturally occurring substances that have some um, uh, intent to to supplement the diet. Now I'll I'll come back to that for a second because we've stretched that line really really far, <laughs> but that's what the definition says, mm. you know. And, and because of that, dietary supplements are not allowed to make what are called disease claims, you know, claims that that uh, that, that the product will diagnose, treat, cure, prevent disease because those are what drugs do. That's mm -hmm. what drugs do. Mm -hmm. And if you fall, if you make those type of claims, then you're considered a a, a drug, and you got to go through the drug pre approval process. Mm -hmm. So really. So like if I'm making a dandelion supplement, for example, traditionally like in medicine, like plant medicine, dandelion is like a blood detox, liver detox, that kind of thing. It helps, you know, create a healthy hepatic system. I can't put that on the bottle. I can only say dandelion. And then you as the educated consumer have to know what it is, right? Well, that's what, that's the trick. That's the trick of the trade. So what a, what a supplement can do, a supplement is allowed to make what they call structure function claims. Okay. A structure function claim is a claim that the product uh, will affect a structure or function of the human body. So let's say, for example, if I've got a product that that um, that that will assist with the uh, the, fl the blood flow into the body, okay, and it's a naturally occurring ingredient. Well, I can't say this product is going to prevent heart disease. Mm -hmm, can't right. say that that's a drug. But what I might be able to say is is that you know I have the ability to say that this product will maintain the body's normal function of the heart in a way that it will could potentially help you keep the heart moving the way it's supposed to. I obviously with the idea that the reason you want to take this product is because you want to try to find a way to, you know, make your heart stay healthy and make sure to make sure that you don't get heart disease. So those claims that you can say related to heart healthy heart function, that's okay. You can say that. So I can it's, say that this cranberry pill will support healthy kidney function and that's okay? That's okay. That's perfectly okay. As long as I say I'm not intended to treat, diagnose, or prevent a disease. But I have to do them together. So for your example there, I can say it it support the healthy function of the kidneys. I can't say it's going to prevent kidney disease. Correct. Now, so. I've seen people 
on the topical side trying to put this <clears throat> claim, and you don't need to put this claim if you're making a topical. That's right, because again, topicals are not ingested. Correct. So therefore, so under the under the rules, that's where a dietary supplement comes into play is, is it has to be ingested, and that's what that rule says. Yeah. If it's a topical, it's by definition not a dietary supplement because you're exactly. putting it on the skin. Yeah. Um, now, having said that, the rules kind of little they may overlap a little bit, but they're a little bit different because you know again, even though it may be a topical, if it's if it's got some claim on there that says this stuff's going to cure cancer or something along those lines, you still can put yourself in that category of claiming of put, making yourself a drug and therefore not viable as a, as a product that you can just sell without drug, without the prior approval mm -hmm. of the FDA. Mm -hmm. So it's again, those claims, you know, people lose it, it's, it, it's one of the discussions I always have with clients and, and a lot of this stuff is, you know, well, well, my client, I put dietary supplement on the label, so therefore it's okay. Well, that, that, that yes, you're required to put that that term on there, but that's just part of the the, the problem. Anytime you make a statement, and, and it's not just express statements, but it's implied statements too. If I just imply, if I make an implication that this is going to do something beyond mm -hmm. uh, just keeping the balance of the normal human body's functions. Then you're risking put making this claim, making mm -hmm. a claim that's a disease claim, and FDA <laughs> is very clear on that point. Mm -hmm. And FTC, I'll come back to them in a second, but FDA is very clear that when you make those claims, you if you're going to call yourself a drug because that's what drugs do, then we're going to treat you like a drug, mm -hmm. and you got to go through the pre-approval process. Mm -hmm. FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, has a separate role as it relates to those labeling claims. FDA looks at the product label, the label on the product itself as well as your information you put on the websites and things of that nature. FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, has a role to look at anything that you're putting out into the public for purposes of having a consumer look at it in terms of your product. And FTC's rules say that if I make some sort of a claim, even if technically it may comply with what FDA has said for a structure function claim, if I make that claim, we'll use your example a minute ago, supports healthy kidney function, okay? And this is an example. FTC says, okay, great. If you if you make that claim, that's okay, but you better have what they call competent and reliable scientific evidence to support it. Uh, and what is competent and reliable scientific evidence? Well, that's the million-dollar question of exactly. No one really knows. That's a clinical trial, right? Well, that's what FTC, ideally FTC, and they've said this in many, many ways in many different forms, that's what they want. They want you to have clinical trials on dietary supplements, which there's a debate and you'll see litigation constantly, continuously over and over and over again about that very point. Well, a supplement comes and say, well, I'm not required to have clinical trials. FDA doesn't require me. And FTC says, well, that may be true, but we're not the FDA. We're the FTC. <laughs> we think you've got to have the support in order to make those claims. Interesting. But can't you, can't you go back to like previous history of people doing this type of clinical research, just like OTC's work? I have evidence that menthol can is, is a vasodilator and topical analgesic, and it has a cooling effect. I have evidence from past data. Can I use that and leverage somebody else? Great point. Great point. What's uh, and a lot of this is what a lot of the industry has consistently done is what I refer to as ingredient specific substantiation, meaning I've got. Plenty of clinical data out there with regard to a particular ingredient, okay? And I've got that ingredient in my product. Uh, so, therefore, I think I can rely on that and substan as to substantiate my product. FDA, and even more so the FTC, says that's not good enough. 
Oh, the reason they me. say the reason they say it's not good enough is because while that may be true, I have a research as it relates to that ingredient. That ingredient is not the only thing in my product. You've not tested my actual product, and therefore we don't know how it's going to react. I give an example of, uh, you know, let's say I have a product that's 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 uh, that's got uh, caffeine and 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 we'll use ephedra just for the sake of argument. But even though I know ephedra has been banned, but that's a whole other topic for another day. <laughs> uh, but if it had ephedra and caffeine, well, I had I have plenty of clinical data out there saying people have used ephedra. And a plenty of clinical clinic, plenty of clinical data showing you know people use caffeine for weight loss, but I haven't got any clinical data on my particular product that's got both those in there plus binders and whatever else is in there, and therefore those two those two study those studies can't necessarily substantiate my product because we haven't tested my product. So then it's then the, so the response to the industry has been okay fine well we'll go test our actual product and we'll go give it to our friends and we'll go give it to you know a, a small size subject size study of some sort <laughs> okay. and say now, now I've tested my product and and FTC will typically come back and say well that's still not good enough because we don't know the parameters of your study we don't know who who but was you involved can create with it. a study and then follow it and do your minimum sample size and say that this is the methodology I mean can't that, you do that that's what I that's what we do. Uh-huh. And, and and honestly, I think that's what the proper thing should be to do. I if FTC is really coming after you for things like that, they probably got a they probably got a whole slew of things that they want to come after you for, and they oh. just use that as kind of they're kind of use that oh, as the as as the top as kind of the that's interesting. The I'm with Joseph, a.k.a. Jody Shalacy of Shalacy and Tortorisi Law. Stick around till after the break. You don't want to miss the discussion about what to do if someone shares on your website or on social media that your non-medical product helps with a medical condition. And who is responsible if doctors make endorsements on your products? Are you looking for high quality, professional grade nutritional supplements that you can only get with the help of an integrative health practitioner? Well, believe it or not, I'm actually a degreed health science and integrative medicine practitioner, and I'm able to extend my 15% off practitioner discount to you on over 350 professional grade brands. Plus, they gave you free shipping on $49 or more. Please visit wellevate.me slash dahlia hyphen colada. This episode is sponsored by Salve Naturals, the leader in cruelty-free, plant-based, and natural topical medicines with ingredients sourced from American farmers. These natural products are freshly handmade in the USA, Houston, Texas, to be precise. Please visit salvenaturals.com or check out Salve and the healthy living departments at HEB stores across Texas. We're looking for inspiring expert guests and original musical artists. Think you have what it takes to be a part of the show? Please visit makingittomarket.com and apply. Making It to Market is a listener and sponsor supported show. Want to support the show? Check us out on Patreon or learn more about sponsorship opportunities on our website. Okay, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> okay, that. This is fun. Okay, so let's continue on. You were talking about uh, anything that implies a drug. So we were talking about the labeling itself. I wanted to add to that something that I see often, and I'm sure you do too, is I might not put those claims 
on the bottle or the packaging or the website or anything like that. But the photo use can also imply a drug. And I'll give you an example. Um, Whether it's a topical or ingestible, let's just say Arnica, for example. Somebody will just put Arnica and no other claims, but then show a picture of a body part with like a red spot on their shoulder and then like grabbing their shoulder. That to me indicates pain or a medical condition that might suggest that this is a drug. What do you think? Absolutely. You, you, you're exactly right. And, and that is a common issue that we see uh, both from FDA and FTC that if, if implied claims are just as valid as express claims, you know, anytime people use a, an implied can be, you know, photographs or those, those fall in the photographs, any kind of uh, slogans or logos, anything like that, that it makes an implication that this is somehow going to have an effect on some sort of a disease or something like that. Those all going to dump you into that, into that drug category. Um, so you've when we're doing, when I'm doing my analysis on labels and such that it's, it's, we're looking at it from both angles, not just from what you, what you're saying, but also what a consumer, and it's the key part, what would a consumer think you're trying to say by based on what you're putting on the label or pictures and what it websites or whatever, you know, and in a lot of ways, that's kind of a little bit of a, a mind reading <laughs> and interesting. I always tell people, um, FTC is really bad about this. They kind of look at things like that from what would really the best way I could describe it is, is from the viewpoint of one of the most unintellectual persons in the entire world okay they just they 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 take things to the extreme often you know of what what the implication is and and that very well may not be what your intent was in any way shape or form but if 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 there's a reasonable possibility that someone could interpret what your with your picture or whatever is, is that it that it has some something beyond what you intended it to say i could potentially like i said fall in that that drug category mm-hmm. let's talk about customer reviews So if I'm making a supplement or a topical or an ingestible, whatever, and I'm not making any claims, I'm not making any suggestive photos or images or anything like that, I'm not putting those out there, but a customer goes, oh my gosh, this was the best thing that helped me after I had surgery and I recommend it for this and this and this and this condition. You as the brand are not allowed to go back and say, oh, I'm so glad it helped you for this and this and this condition. No, you're not. And and, and that kind of a review can really has, has, has a couple of different ways it could be reviewed. Okay. So let's say if the, if, the, if the customer says, you know, this is the greatest stuff in the world. Well, that's what they typically refer to as puffery. Mm. Meaning it's just, I'm just puffing my product. I'm just, you know, I'm making a, a an anal- I'm making a statement about my products and it's merely just an opinion. Okay. You know, and that, and that's okay. It can be, you know, I can claim this is the greatest stuff in the world and you're really not violating any rules. Let's say on the other hand, a customer comes up and says, a consumer buy, buy, takes your product and says, this is the greatest stuff in the world. I lost 20 pounds in, in right. three days. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's changing now because now we're not talking about an opinion. We're stating a fact. We're stating a statement that says this is what my result was. So from the from the from the brand standpoint, they got to disclaim a lot of that. They got to say, look, these results are not typical. This is just you know a person's a particular person's experience that may or may not be the same as anyone else. 
So you have to put that as a disclaimer, right? There's, there's got to be some sort of a disclaimer. They're okay. saying, I'm, this is not, we're not making this to be, you know, apply to everybody. Mm. Also, if the client, if let's, it gets kind of interesting is, is let's say if you have that customer review and then the product, the brand itself says this person took this product and, and they lost 20 pounds in five days. Well, now not only are you got a, that, that you have that issue there, but FTC and FDA are going to expect you to have clinical research that says that's what that's what happened you know and if you cite specific numbers like that that research better say that specific numbers okay so that becomes an issue mm -hmm. similarly uh, not let's talk about from the standpoint of let's endorsements endorsements is, if, if i have a doctor comes on and says i i prescribe this to my I, I give <laughs> i recommend this to my my patients and it does this this and this and this <laughs> yeah <laughs> well that recommendation can be implied back to the manufacturer because if the manufacturer brought the product and gave it to the the, the doctor and said hey take this oh you know, that's interesting you could and you now you that liability can travel back to the manufacturer even though the manufacturer may not have actually said it wow. but because they're using him as to endorse the product his claims become your claim that's fascinating but, i actually have a few doctors that have come to me and i do manufacture for them and they want to make the claim of doctor recommended or doctor yeah. advised what is your opinion about such claims depends on what they're saying they're recommending you know if again if they're just saying i like this stuff it's, I, I recommended me as a physician that's probably probably falling in the puffery standpoint if, wow. I, if, if a doctor says i recommend this stuff for my clients my patients that have adhd or something like that now we got a different question because now we've, that implication is is the, he's prescribing this to his patients for purposes of a drug treatment with a drug a disease mm -hmm. that in, that claim is going to be implied back to you as the manufacturer is saying just the same way as, as if you had said it directly that makes me really nervous because it should. I, it should I make a lot of private label you know most of my customers are using their own brand and if you know i do have physicians and then they create their own product line if they're making claims, how can I like stop that process? Like, how do I have control over their branding if I'm just the manufacturer? How do I manage that relationship? Well, well, keep in mind, as it relates to the manufacturer, and the manufacturer must take this into consideration, um, manufacturers can have downstream liability for what's coming from whatever's come out of their facilities. So let's say I manufacture a product. I didn't write any of the label claims. I didn't write the label. I didn't do anything with it. I just privately labeled it for somebody else and they took and ran with it. Okay. Well, if I clearly have no knowledge of that information and it never was shared with me and, and I didn't know anything about it, um, then you, you might have a defense. However, this is where it's tricky because as the manufacturer, you do have a duty of due diligence wow. to make sure okay. that what you're coming out of your facility is going to be in compliance with the law. And if it's not, you have a duty to step in and say, hey, I can't do this for you. You're going to manufacture, you're going to clearly see the label going on the product because they're putting the label on there. And if they see something that's, they don't have to go duty to go out there and actively go find that and tell them customers, I can't do this for you. But if they see something or they've been getting information that says this is potentially an issue, they do have a duty to say, I, to raise the red flag and, and get an illegal opinion to protect themselves or, or more importantly, tell the manufacturer, tell the, to the customer that's come to them to make that product. Hey, this is not, this is something we probably don't want in our facility. Oh, um, this so is challenging. That, that man, it can be. And, and from manufacturer standpoint, you're, you're, you're hitting on a great point there from the contract manufacturing side, side that they're, they're carrying a risk there that they may not actually have ever intended to carry. 
So a lot of, a lot of what I do on, for clients like that, um, it's really in the contracting, you know, yeah. in, the le- in the lettering of the of right. the contract we're doing with our customers. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to lay out, this is what we're agreeing to do. Mm-hmm. This is the due diligence process we're required to do under both for GMP standpoint, as well as for anything that comes through our facility in terms of, you know, labeling claims and things of that nature. And this is what we're relying on you as the, as the, the customer to make sure you provide us quality information. You know, we're going to rely on you that you're, you're providing us, you know, that, that you're, 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 whatever's going in the product is, is what it says it is, you know, and you're not going to, you know, all those types of things, we got to lay all that out in the, in the, in the. That's product. a really big deal. <clears throat> I do have my customer sign a manufacturing agreement that outlines my limited liability most yeah. of the time because they're taking it and adding cannabinoids to it or they're refilling. And I don't know the conditions or what they're doing or adulterating. I don't know. So I don't want responsibility for what they do with the product. In the sense that the manufacturer has some amount of downstream liability, what happens in the case of who's liable in the sense of I create a gallon of a something, I send it to a hemp extractor, they add their cannabinoids to it, and then they turn around and white label it. Who am I? Am I still responsible? If you if you had knowledge of it or reasonably could have had knowledge of it in some way, uh, then possibly, possibly, mm. you know, if 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 you, it depends on what your involvement was and in, in, in the the information that was provided to you. If let's say for example, uh, and this happens quite frequently, you know, a person comes to make contract manufacturer has to make a some sort of a, a product, and then after it leaves the facility. Uh, yeah, the the supplement manufacturer supplement the putting the layman label spikes it with something else. I didn't know if I'm the manufacturer, right. I had no idea that or, was going. Or uses yeah. a different casing, or or adds something to it, like in the yeah. casing, like you know. Yeah, it, in that case, the manufacturer, for the most part, should be okay because they had no knowledge that was occurring. Okay. Now let's let's assume on the, the these are all examples. I mean, let's say the manufacturer's doing the same situation, but raw product comes into their facility. They put in the man in the in the product. Manufacturer sees the raw ingredients and, and realizes that's not what they told me they were putting in this, and then goes ahead and does it anyway. Now the manufacturer's got liability because the manufacturer had a reason. They saw what was going in there, mm. knew this was not exactly correct, and went ahead and went with went with it. You've given yourself some the knowledge. You had the ability to again. That's that due diligence process comes into play. Mm-hmm. You've got to. You, you can't just stick your head in the sand and act like you didn't see what you saw. <laughs> you, you you knew you knew it was there, and you knew this was a problem, a, a potential problem, and, and and you went ahead and did it anyway. To learn more about Jody and his law firm, check out the information in the show notes or visit his website, themillennialawyer.com. Don't forget, this is part of a three-part series. The next episode with Jody, we will talk about supplement fact panels, food fact panels, and we'll also go into more detail about homeopathic, OTC, industrial hemp, and so forth. You don't want to miss the discussion. Really good. always i hope you enjoyed today's show if you did please subscribe to making it to market wherever you listen to podcasts or listen from our website makingittomarket.com thank you for your honest five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app and a special thanks to our show sponsors and listeners without your support i would not be able to do this if there's a topic you'd like to hear have a question or even a comment you'd like for me or today's guest to address 
feel free to leave me a voice message on our podcast phone line. If we air your question or comment in an upcoming episode, we'll send you a free Making It to Market t-shirt or mug. Details are in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Until the next time, make decisions that make a difference.